with a broken heart You pick me up, now I'm set apart From the ash I am born again Forever safe in the Savior's hands You are more than my words could say I follow you for my all my days Fix my eyes, follow in your ways Forever free and unending grace Cause you are, you are, you are my darkest night let your love be the shining light breaking chains that were holding me you sent your son down to set me free everything of this world will fade i'm pressing on till i see your face i will live that your will be done i will stop till your kingdom come cause you are you
Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. My name is Kim Kinesny. I'm the office administrator here at Waypoint. I have a couple of announcements to share with you. The first being um, Senior Sunday on June 7th. Um, if you know a senior or have a senior, you could contact Mitchell Horn um, to get information so that we can represent them on that Sunday, either in person or on the screen. Uh, the next announcement is our war missions uh, trip, which is June 28th through July, July 2nd. If you're interested um, in participating in that, you can get on our website and, or church center to sign up and get more information. And our um, women's build was canceled a couple of weekends or a couple of weeks ago, and we are planning to reschedule. So if that's something you're interested in, it's through Habitat for Humanity. Um, you can go on our on Church Center as well and sign up. Um, have a great weekend. Let's worship. Hey, before we start, I did this the last service, and Kim, that was her first time ever on stage. This is her second time, so can we just give her a round of applause? She crushed it. All right, let's stand and worship together.
Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your could ever come close no thing can compare you're our living home your presence Lord I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the Nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living home. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. Of the sweetest of loves, where my 
heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence Lord. Holy Spirit you are welcome come flood this place and fill the Heavenly Father, what a beautiful gift that you give us, that you would come here and meet us just as we are, whatever we bring in, you are here to meet us, and in your presence, there is freedom, there is liberty. It's perfect. Just a place where we want to hide. I thank you, Lord, for filling this room. Wall to wall and floor to ceiling. For filling every heart, every mind. For giving us peace and rest. Just an honor to stand in your presence. And I thank you, Lord, for that gift. I thank you, Father. Be with us today. Open us to receive. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before you're seated, if you'll turn around and 
wave at somebody maybe you haven't seen in a while or elbow bump something, greet somebody. Good morning. And then find your seat. Welcome to Waypoint. My name is Blair. Glad you're here today, whether it's live or uh, maybe you're round two of our streaming. We had trouble with our first uh, streaming service, but we're going again. So if you're trying that out, I'm glad you're here. That's great. I don't know about you, but I've been noticing the change in seasons and I've been enjoying it. And I know it's not consistent yet, but I have noticed that there are more sunny, warm days than there aren't. And I've started to do one of my favorite things during the summer drive around with my window down. As soon as it hits around 50, my window starts going down, and I love the breeze coming in. And the warmer it gets, the more it's enjoyable. And I I know maybe for some of you, your summer thing maybe isn't here yet, because if you like to go swimming, eh, maybe a little early. Like to go to the beach, maybe a little early for that. But it's coming. Uh, if If you like to go outside and exercise, if you like to work around the house, work in the garden, do that kind of stuff, All of those things you can do right now. You can go bike riding, all of that kind of stuff. So summer's here. And I want to talk to you about what I think uh, might be uh, something that we can engage with together. Because I think there might be a common experience. I wasn't sure until I did the first service. And then when I did a little survey, it ended up most of us were in the same boat. So I'm going to describe an experience that I have during the summer that um, I love And we'll see if you've gone through this yourself as well, okay? Um, Imagine, if you will, beautiful summer day, blue sky, few marshmallow clouds here and there, not very many, but it's, it's really nice out. You're out driving, the sun is coming through the windshield, it's getting warm in your car, and you roll your window down. For whatever reason, you don't turn the air on. On this day, you roll the window down. The breeze is coming through, you've got the radio on, and as you're doing that, on the radio pops a song that you associate with summer. And you love that song and you find yourself reaching over and turning that thing up to what? Ear bleed level. Now look, it would be except the windows down. You can get away with it, right? So you turn it up as loud as you can and you get lost in that moment with that song. In fact, you can get so lost in the moment, maybe you do what I've done. I'll be on the way somewhere, and I'll realize I'm about to get to my destination before this song is over, so I go a different route. Or, or I get to the parking lot, and I have to go in and meet somebody, and I say, I'm going to be late. And I just sit in the parking lot and let the song finish. All right. Anybody else been there, done that? Raise a hand. Oh, yeah. We're all a bunch of crazies, right? Now, here's what I've discovered, though. The same music doesn't do it for the same people. Like, if you were asking me what did that, like, what makes that moment, it's the U2 song, Beautiful Day. If I'm out driving on a sunny day and that comes up, I'm turning the music up really loud and I'm going to wait until that song's over before I leave the vehicle because there is something about that song that makes me, I worship God in that moment. Maybe it's a worship song for you. I asked Luis to go and pick his cruising song and this is the song he picked, right? 
And I was like, that's your song? And he's like, yeah, man, this is roll your, roll your window down, cruise type music. And based on the reaction of the crowd, I don't think he's alone from what I saw in the last service. Let's see how it strikes you.
there, there are some people who enjoy that. I get it. We had somebody on the way out say that um, ACDC fit the bill. And I was like, now we're talking, right? John Mayer, ACDC, you two, that makes more sense to me. Here's the thing. We know it's different for different people, and we're very curious what it is for you. So over the next few days on Facebook, we're going to ask you to get on there, go on to Waypoint's Facebook site, and put down the summer song that you would, like, creates that moment for you, where you're going to turn it up and you're just going to enjoy that. It's going to kind of take you away for a little bit. And after we get a bunch of those, we're going to put out a little survey on Facebook and we're going to let people vote. And the top two vote getters, we're going to do in this series. So we're going to find out what people really enjoy and then we're going to play them. Okay, so I hope you do that. Why are we doing all of this? Because I'm hoping to introduce you to some other songs. um, These songs aren't one single genre. If you were to go and look at them, some of them would be bubbly. Some of them um, would be uh, sad. Some are angry, pretty disturbed. A lot of them have a lot of love and gratefulness that are expressed in them. The, the thing about these songs is they're not set to music anymore. They were at one time. People sang these at one time. They look like poetry more for us these days. But don't, don't mistake this. At one point in history, there were people who were singing these songs, and these songs created moments for them. Moments where the message in the song kind of took them away. And I'm hoping that as we kind of take ourselves there and we look at what's in these songs, that that moment could happen for you. That that, that time where you get drawn in to the message of the song, and you're excited about what's being said, and it engages you and God, that that could happen. In fact, this is my hope. Uh, if you haven't figured it out, we're talking about the book of Psalms. And if I, were, if I had a wish list right now, I would wish that through the summer that you would do one of two things. Maybe you read a psalm every day, or maybe you pick one that you read for the, the week, and you read it every day that week, and then you digest it, you think about it, you study it, you, you maul on it that whole time, because there's some great stuff in there, and, and they're all different. I mean, uh, the variety isn't just about what they're on. There's some that are two verses long, and there's one that's opera-sized. It's got 176 verses, and I was like, who sang this? Like, how did you memorize this sort of thing? And yet, that's the kind of stuff that's in there, but it's the content that's so compelling, the stuff that they wrote about. And here's the thing. There were different writers. In some instances... We know that because right before the psalm, sometimes when we play a song right at the end, down in the little corner on the screen, there'll be a little description of who owns that song and the copyright material, all that sort of thing that we put up there. That's kind of what they did, kind of. It's not even close, but it's, it's kind of what they did. And they did it in a little header. And I want to take you to one. It's in Psalm 8 that has that. We're going to look at Psalm 8 today. And right before the, the scripture starts, it says this in the little header. Um, can be translated in different ways uh, for the director of music or the choir director according to the Gittith or on the Gittith a psalm of David so this is what's said and we get a little bit of insight anyway at least we got some right here this was going to be sung by a group of people Um, somebody had to direct this somehow so it was complex enough that there was a group involved in this so there was a kind of unique thing and it's a psalm of David 
which is kind of good to know. David is a unique guy in the scriptures. Um, shepherd, soldier, songwriter. This is the same guy that God said, he's a man after my own heart. Same guy who murdered somebody to cover up adultery. Complex. And in fact, sometimes you can tell what's going on in the life of the writer when they write the psalm because they're just pouring out their heart in music. And David did that. And so um, this is one of those. But there's also a bit of mystery here too. And I kind of like the mystery that's attached to Psalm 8. It says on the Gittith or according to the Gittith. What is that? Based on what I can tell, nobody knows. Um, They think... There's a lot of people who think it might be an instrument. They don't know what the instrument would would sound like. They don't know where the instrument would have come from. They don't know anybody else who's ever referred to the instrument. It could have been a style of music that they were supposed to play. Nobody's really sure. I love this. I love thinking about this section of scripture going, hey, somebody was singing this with a sense of enthusiasm and engagement, and they were doing it in a way I've never heard before. Isn't that cool? That's what's here, right here in the scriptures. And so we're we're given this kind of introduction, and then um, David starts writing. And uh, what he writes, I think, is worth our attention, and I hope it will shape the way you think throughout the rest of your day, and I'm hoping it will follow you this week. David starts in verse 1, and he says this, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Now what's, um, I think, interesting here is that this is a little more majestic um, than it seems because the way that we translated this um, didn't really have too many choices. The way we translate things is we make it as close to the word that we would know or use. But in the Hebrew, there are some things that were going on that were really different. So the first Lord that you see there in the Hebrew, it's all capitalized, and uh, they did their scriptures without vowels, and it wouldn't have mattered anyway because this is a word they had for God that they would never say. They were afraid to say it. And it's a little unlike, um, when I'm going to say we're afraid to say it, many of you will think of Harry Potter, right? He who should not be named. It's not that. They wouldn't name Voldemort out of fear, Dread fear. These, these folks wouldn't say God's name out of deep reverence. They, he just got done talking about how majestic, how God's glory filled. The, they thought he was so big, so incredible, so amazing. They would not utter his name casually. And so they wrote this in all big caps. And you would know that when you came to it, you wouldn't say it, which makes me wonder how they sang it. How did they sing a word you cannot say? right? Um, A lot of people have pointed out that this word without the vowels sounds like a breath. (sighs) I wonder if it started that way. I wonder if the song started with a breath. The second Lord, it's all small caps, and it would be the word that we would normally translate into Lord. It's master. So they have Yahweh, which is what we would translated that, that word that's got all caps in it, Yahweh, our master. And there, there's this, 
sense of majesty that's being portrayed in how they'll even address God. I love this idea that it could be about the breath because God gave you breath. And so as you breathe, you hear his name in your breath. This is the kind of stuff that's being expressed here. I think it's beautiful. Um, These two lords help us understand the relationship we have with God. Um, this, the one is how God relates to us, creator, giver of breath. The master is how we relate back to God, worthy of us bending a knee and saying, I will follow. I will, I will give my heart, my life, to the direction that you want me to go. And so all of that gets expressed here, and then it gets loaded Because he starts talking about how majestic his name is in all the earth. And then he says it's in the heavens too. And you can imagine a shepherd would write something like this. If, If you've ever been outside camping and you've had a fire going and eventually it gets down to embers. You've had that quiet kind of moment outside. And you turn and you look up. What do you see? Like if there's no lights around, there's no street lights, there's nothing going on you see like a blanket of diamonds in the sky. The stars are just incredible. And so you could see the shepherd who's had that experience over and over, not just surveilling the earth and seeing God's glory, but looking up and saying, wow, this is incredible. This is amazing. What's interesting about this to me, though, is that David just doesn't point out how the creation is incredible He points out how the creator is. This creator who made all of this, who filled the earth, he's the one I'm enamored with. He's the one that I want to follow and worship. He's the one whose name I don't even want to say because of how much reverence I have towards him. Can Can I just ask you, When was the last time you felt that way about Jesus? Where where he had this overwhelming sense of who he was, what he did, why he chose to do it. And that overwhelming sense caused you to think of, man, I I don't know. I don't know if I'm worthy to be in his presence. I'm just grateful that he's a part of my life, that I can follow and be a follower of his. But I'm over by that. When was the last time that you looked at creation and marveled over it and your heart was turned to think of the creator who made all of that and you thought how majestic, how awesome, how incredible this creator of ours must be. And it changed your attitude, the way you thought of or responded to God in that moment. I think a lot of times We have become so comfortable with the idea of who Jesus is and we see what he does and we talk about how grateful we are but this heart that David was trying to express here, the sense of majesty that he sees in the world sometimes gets lost on us. So I love that he starts off with this. It's this big idea that this person who gives me breath fills the earth, fills the sky, fills everything that I see with glory. And then he starts talking about how people see it, how people see that glory. Verse 2, it's, this, this is kind of a weird verse. 
Through the praise of children and inference, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. See, I read that verse and I think, that'd be a hard one to sing, right? Kind of an odd second stanza for the song. But um, what's he trying to get at? He's trying to make a simple point. See, even infants and kids can plainly see what's going on in the world, and their praise, their, their ability to call that out, silences people. Uh, it reminds us of a time in the scriptures. This is in um, Matthew chapter 21. Jesus has entered Jerusalem for the last time. There was a parade, a whole bunch of people waved palm branches, and we find him later in the day in the temple courts, and he is healing people. People who are blind can see. People who couldn't walk are walking. He's doing some pretty incredible stuff. And the kids who are watching this unfold start singing. <laughs> they start singing, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna to the Son of... Praise God to the Son of David. Charged words. These are things that you would say to the Messiah... And it's not lost on the religious leaders that this is happening, and they're upset about it. Their thought is, Jesus, as soon as you heard that, you should have shut those kids down. You should have turned them off. But Jesus is like, why would I? They can see what's going on here. Can you guys not see? People are being healed. There's really incredible things happening here. But they were so blind to what God was doing in the world through Jesus that they were upset and angry. And you know his reply to them? His reply was, have you not read Psalm 8, chapter 2? Kids can see. They silence foes and avengers. Like, listen, you guys are making a big deal out of this. But it's not that hard if you would open up your eyes and have a little bit of childlike response to what you see happening in your life. I got to see this this last weekend. I was down with our grandson. He was playing in the backyard, and uh, we had a little wiffle ball there, and I would hit it, and sometimes I would hit it just right. It would go up in the air and then, like, pretty high, but then stay inside the fence, and he loved it. And he would, he would um, chase it down, and if, it, if I hit it right, he could be the only one who touched it. If I hit it wrong, he didn't care. Like, Somebody else go get that, you slave boy, all right? Um, but he would have such glee as he chased this ball down and he would bring it back and want me to do it again. We had this little bubble machine on the back of the porch and it was shooting bubbles up in the air and he was running around trying to bite them. And I was like, all right, that's a little gross, but um, it illustrates the point, right? When he saw something that he loved and enjoyed, it just flowed out of him. It just became something he responded with. As we grow older, we grow out of that. We have more reserved ways of looking at the world, experiencing the world, seeing the world. I'd like to suggest to you that sometimes Jesus ends up on the grown-up side of our lives, where the good things that he does, the things that he fills this world with, we look at as like seen that, done that, been there. And he's more likely to see a look of boredom on a follower of his face than of sheer excitement and joy for having seen the good that God was doing. And somewhere along the line, our grown-up response to Jesus has taken over 
And this person who deserves a childlike response of the obvious goodness that he's put into the world, he should see that from us. Many times, it doesn't. It just doesn't happen. In verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 8, David writes some things that you could go plainly see if you wanted to identify things that God was doing that deserved recognition, that you could respond to, react to. Say, wow, he is so good. In verse 5, he kind of changes, turns the corner a little bit. Uh, Normally, I read this in the NIV. I like the NIV because it puts it in plain English. I think people should understand the text as much as possible. I think that's really important. Sometimes in the translation process, when it's not as literal, it actually changes the meaning a little bit. And in this case, it is changed enough that I think it's a problem. So I want to read. I'm going to read off the screens. I'm going to read a more literal translation. In Psalm 5, or 8, 5, he says, Yet you made them, mankind, only a little lower than God, and crowned them with glory and honor. And in verse 6, he continues, You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. If verses 2 through 4 were to try to wake up of a childlike kind of response in us to this incredible stuff that God does in our lives, 5 through 7, 5 through 8 actually, is, is an attempt to wake up the adult in us who's listening. The adult in us who looks at life and says, listen, I've got responsibilities. I'm tired. I'm busy. I have things going on. And you want me to run around and be delighted? Man, I don't have time for that. I'm busy. I, I, my plate is full. And David's trying to remind you, there's a reason your plate is full. It's because God gave you authority to act and to live. You have, you have authority over so many big, important decisions. You have authority about what job you're going to have. You have authority over whether you're going to start a family or who you're going to start it with. You have authority about where you're going to live. You have authority over the friends that you're going to have. You have authority over the attitude that you will choose to live with in life. You have authority given to you by God. And you know what it means? It means your life is loaded with things that matter. How you live matters. The choices that you make matter. You have authority to do this. uh, On the other side of it, it's a little sobering, right? Because it means you have responsibility. Do you see what that said there in verse 5? It said you're a little lower than God. A lot of translations have translated that. You're a little lower than angels. The NIV does. That's not what it says. God said, I made you a little lower than myself. But I've given you all kinds of things to be responsible for, which, having met myself, that's a little bit terrifying. And at the same time, it's incredibly, like, exciting because I'm responsible for things that matter in life. I have purpose. I have meaning. There are things that I can do that will make a difference in the world. Why? Because God gave me that authority. He created you that way. You have the opportunity for that. Listen, you could have been 
an animal that got herded around and acted on instinct. But God chose a different path for you. He chose to give you a will to act with. He chose to give you a mind to use. And he gives you the authority to operate on that. So sometimes what happens is you're in a place and you think, God gave me this opportunity. I can't leave here. I got to stay and got to do this. God gave you a authority to act. You might have to make a choice, make a decision that takes you away from what you were doing. You have the freedom to do that. That's who we are. And we're being reminded by David, listen, you might be an adult, but what happens, what happens when we become adults and we look at the pile of stuff on our plate, we look at it and we groan and we complain and we whine because of all the difficulties that we face and all the stuff that we have to go through. And I just want you to be reminded that it's a gift that you get to go through any of that and you have authority to make some decisions on it. And instead of it taking away your will to act, instead of it ruining your life, it ought to be an encouragement to you that Almighty Creator God filled your life with purpose and meaning. That's who you are. Gave you authority. In verses 7 and 8, he talks about what mankind has authority over and for them it had a lot to do with the creation that they were living in. They lived in a place where they would interact with creation a lot. And so he was just talking to them about all this stuff that God gave them authority over. And then he gets to verse 9. And he closes. He says this. It's very similar. Very similar to how he started this whole thing. It's Lord, our Lord. Same pattern. <sighs> Our master, it's that. Your majestic name fills the earth. Like he found in himself this thing to be excited about, enamored with. See, I think sometimes um, cynics have read this section of scripture and they've thought, sounds like something a teenager would write. Just give him time. Just let him live a bit longer. And they're going to realize this life is awful. It's not fun. It's hard. You face all kinds of situations you'd rather not face. Difficulties, pain, to all come in your way. This guy is talking about finding God's majesticness all over the place. And we have a hard time seeing it. In some cases because we don't respond childlike to the things that we see. In other cases... Because we don't recognize the adult things that God gave us. All of those struggles are a gift into our lives. To have authority over, to act with. And so we miss out. But what David did so beautifully was he wasn't focused on the moment or the creation. He was focused on the creator. And he realized that if he could, if he could see the act of the creator all around him, it could change his heart and how he felt and thought about God. So when he saw a sunset, he didn't just think, oh, been there, seen that, done that. He thought about the person who created that. And it caused his heart to swell and say things like, your, your majesty fills the earth. 
I see it everywhere. And I want to act with childlike expressions of gratitude for all that I see. And I want to look at the adult stuff in my life. And I want to express gratitude for the authority that I was given to act with. And the whole pile together, I see the hand of God on my life and in this world. And it changed David. Can I just tell you, I've been... I've been preparing um, this, kind of digesting this for a little while now, and I'm finding myself waking up in the mornings, and uh, this prayer is on my mind. I, I love it. I'll wake up, and I'll think, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And I found myself starting to rediscover because, I, you know what, the stuff I'm talking to you about, it's just, it's true for me too. When was the last time I felt that enamored with Jesus? When was the last time I looked at my adult stuff and thought, oh, good, God's given me this responsibility. And yet, I found as I've taken that breath in the morning and I've recognized it's a gift of God, that his, his name is found in the very breath that I breathe when I wake up that it's become easier to see all that he touches, the majesty that he holds, and how worthy he is of my responding to him that way. My hope is that as you hear this, that you'll be able to start waking up with this on your mind this week too. That you'll think, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And it will change the way you think about your day. That's my hope. Would you pray with me real quick? As we prepare to do that, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. I want to ask you to take in a deep breath and to let it out as we begin to pray. On the count of three. One, two, three. <sighs> God, we recognize your name in that breath, the very creator who gives us life. And we say, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I ask that you would give us eyes to see, eyes of a child, that could see the goodness that's plainly around us and that we would respond and give you the praise that you're worthy of. I ask that you would give us the wisdom of adults to see the stuff that we're bearing in our lives right now has the marks of our authority that have been given to us by you. And it would cause us to be thankful and grateful. God, may we see your majesty everywhere we look and may it change the way we live. I ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So grateful that you came out today. Uh, we're cutting our services down a little bit to help with those who are still viewing at home. So uh, we're going to end here. We're not going to play any songs. We're going to ask you to kind of uh, exit through this door over here. They're going to open that up and you can go out the hallway. If you need to use the restroom, you can, but we're just trying to create a pattern of habit. You probably could spread throughout the building at this service and it wouldn't be a big deal. But if you'd use that exit, it would be helpful for us as they've already probably cleaned up out front. 
Thank you so much for being here. I hope you'll uh, see you next week.